Welcome to the West Virginia Writers Podcast, a service of West Virginia Writers Incorporated, the Mountain State's largest all-volunteer nonprofit organization dedicated to writers. Established and incorporated in 1977, West Virginia Writers continues to support writers and writing statewide through program sponsorship, an annual writing contest, and an annual summer writers conference. This podcast is dedicated to promoting the organization, its members, and events, as well as writers throughout Appalachia and beyond. And now, here is your host, Eric Fritzhughes. Thank you, Gertrude and Ola listeners. Welcome to Episode 68 of the West Virginia Writers Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Fritzhughes. Well, today's podcast marks not only the first podcast of the new year, Not to mention the first podcast since last February. But being as how I'm uploading it on January the 2nd, it also coincides with the opening day for the submission period of the West Virginia Writers Annual Writing Contest for 2014. As in accordance with tradition, I like to interview the contest coordinator each year in order to find out the ins and outs of the contest, as they do tend to change somewhat from year to year. Before we begin that interview, though, I would highly suggest that prior to listening to this here podcast, you should first go and download and print out the contest entry forms for both the Adult Writing Contest and our new Mountain Voices Student Writing Contest, which can be found at our contest website, wvwriters.org slash contest.html. Having a piece of paper with all the rules spelled out in front of you will be handy as we get into the thick of it. We'll also have them located on the podcast page, which is podcast.wvwriters.org. Now, our contest coordinator this year is a returning guest to the podcast, mostly because he served as contest coordinator last year, and we talked to him then. He's a former secretary and president of West Virginia Writers. Heck, I believe you can probably find his name among the ranks of the regional reps if you go back far enough. And if you've been to our summer conferences, chances are pretty high you've seen him take the stage at Friday night's entertainment sessions or maybe teach a workshop or two. In addition to being a writer and playwright, he's often seen as an actor with the Greenbrier Valley Theater in Lewisburg, West Virginia, and will be seen as an actor, a playwright, and a director for the New Voices Festival of Plays February 6th, 7th, and 8th of 2014. Joining us via telephone from his home atop a hill in Greenbrier County is our 2014 contest coordinator, Mr. Eric Fritschews. Eric, welcome to the podcast. Glad to be here. Now, before we get to the descriptions of the contest categories for 2014, I'd like to talk about the contest in general terms. I would wager that a lot of people don't know the history of this contest. Eric, what can you tell us all about it? Well, Eric, the contest began back in 1982, so if you do the math, that makes this year number 32. In preparing for this podcast, I was having a look back at the winners of the previous 32 years, and if you do that, what you see is a lot of names of a lot of writers who've gone on to become some of the major figures in the literary world of our state for the latter half of the 20th century. People like Shirley Young Campbell, Barbara Smith, Norman Julian, John and Llewellyn McKiernan, Mark Defoe, Mary Lucille DeBerry, Jean Batlow, Wilma Acri. I'm going to stop you there because last year you went on for like five minutes just listing names. I did indeed. No problem. 
And while the number of categories and the amount given for cash prizes has changed over the years, at this time we're awarding $5,850 total in cash prizes for the 13 categories of the adult contest. Now, each of those 13 categories will have a first, second, and third place winner. First place being $250, second place being $125, third place being $75. That's right, and we've awarded well over $125,000 since 1982 in the adult contest alone. We're also offering $575 in prizes for the New Mountain Voices Student Contest, which will have first, second, and third place winners in three different age groups. First place there is $100, second place 50 and third place is 25 Exactly. Now let's talk about the adult competition first. What are the categories for 2014? First, let's list the standard categories that we carry over from year to year. Then we can go back and explore the others. We have, of course, short story, which is going to be a work of fiction up to 5,000 words. Short poetry, which is poetry 20 lines or shorter in length in any form. We have long poetry, which is poetry that is 21 lines and up to four pages in length in any form. And nonfiction, which is 5,000 words, which can include articles or essays or memoirs, so long as they have not been previously published. Now, writers who have not won a cash prize in our contest and who have themselves not been published in a publication with a circulation greater than 5,000 are eligible to enter the emerging writers categories. There are standard categories that we offer each year as a way for less experienced writers to get a foot in the door. And the Emerging Writers Poetry category is once again dedicated in honor of F. Ethan Fisher, who is one of our former board members and a much-beloved poet and radio personality from the Martinsburg area. He passed away two years ago. The F. Ethan Fisher Memorial Award is any poetry form up to four pages in length. And Emerging Writers Prose can be fiction or nonfiction up to 5,000 words. Now, if memory serves, the other major category we have from year to year is book-length prose. Uh, Tell us a little bit about that. This can be fiction or nonfiction, and you can submit up to 7,500 words and a one-page synopsis. Now, there are two things that you also should remember about this category. One is that because the number of words that can be submitted is greater, there's a $12 entry fee instead of the $10 entry fee. The other thing is that for this year, the book-length prose category also accepts young adult novels as part of the range. Why the change there to make young adult part of book-length prose? Well, last year we had young adult and middle grade novel lumped into the same category, and the board of directors was concerned that this wasn't giving either of those subcategories a fair shake. Young adult novels are every bit as mature in feel and tone as a regular adult novel, for the most part. So the board decided to try it out in book-length prose this year to see if that might be a better fit for it. I see. So where does that leave middle grade and, for that matter, children's books as categories? Well, we're recombining middle grade with children's book so that the children's book category will contain picture books, first reader books, and middle grade books, which the board felt are more closely related than the middle grade and young adult are to one another. Now, one thing that was new last year that we're continuing on to this year is that for children's books, they can have illustrations included with the submission. Now, this is completely optional, of course, but we did have several entries come in with artwork last year, and we thought we'd like to continue that. People should remember, though, that if they do send artwork, it will be judged along with the rest of the manuscript. So it's going to be imperative for children's book writers to make sure their artwork is up to par if they're going to include it. Exactly. 
So if you have a semi-professional artist backing you up, you're probably in good shape. If your three-year-old is doing the illustrations, maybe you should think twice about sending in those drawings. Uh, speaking of sending in the drawings, though, you should not send the original physical artwork, but only send color photocopies, as the judges cannot return the artwork. As always, sir, a very good point. What are the rest of the contest categories? Well, one of my favorite returning categories this year is the Joe McCabe Memorial Stage Play category. This is, of course, done in honor of Joe McCabe, who was, like Ethan Fisher, a, a longtime board member and a beloved figure in West Virginia Writers who passed away several years ago. The stage play category is done every other year and is traded out with the screenplay category, but this year is the year for stage plays. This means entries can be a play written for the stage, as you might expect. You'll use your standard play format for the script entries. They can be any length, but if the script for your play is over 30 pages long, we do ask the playwright to only submit that 30-page sample along with a one-page synopsis of the entire plot. So why the limit of a 30-page sample? Basically, it comes down to a desire not to abuse our judges. <laughs> with the exception of book-length prose, most of the categories of the contest have a limit of 5,000 words. We used to allow stage plays and screenplays of any length, but if someone turns in a big Django Unchained or Lord of the Rings epic, the judge would not only have to read it, but we would have to pay to ship that sucker to them. Same with stage plays. You might have a 10-minute play that would run around 10 pages, no problem. But you could also have a full-length three-act play, which would come in at around 80 pages at the minimum. That's a lot for one judge to wade through, and most of the other judges don't have anything longer than 5,000 words. Sure. The 30-page sample limit allows the judge to see exactly what sort of skills the writer possesses from that sample and also judge the entire story being told via the included one-page synopsis. I see. So what's the next category? Well, as always, we have special topic categories where we pick a theme and writers submit pieces based on that theme. For the topic categories, we don't limit things to prose poetry, though, or even fiction or nonfiction. If you write any of the above, your piece falls within the boundaries of that category theme, it works for that category. Our first one, Appalachian writing, is one that we tend to have year after year, and it's very popular. You can submit a piece about life in Appalachia, up to 5,000 words, and this, of course, can be prose or poetry. Explain that, life in Appalachia. What, what are the boundaries of that? Well, there really aren't any. Um, it could be anything, really, as long as it speaks to the Appalachian experience or portrays an aspect of Appalachian culture, you're good to go. Now, the other topic category that we've not had in a couple of years but is coming back this year is humor. This can be up to 5,000 words, prose or poetry. This can also be up to 5,000 words, fiction or nonfiction, prose or poetry. So long as it's funny, it's fair game. And instead of a third topic category this year, instead we're going to try something brand new to our contest. We have a category called graphic narrative. All right, Eric. Now, you and I both know what graphic narrative means because we're big fans of the format. But for people out there who might not know, what exactly is graphic narrative? Well, graphic narrative is basically comic books. It can be a story or a, a narrative told via the medium of sequential art. Different panels on a page broken up to tell a story, essentially. 
Now, we all, of course, have heard them called graphic novels, but not all comic books are graphic novels. Comics themselves often don't tell a single story, but instead tell multiple stories over time, kind of like television soap operas do. They have the same characters who continue on in different stories, or sometimes, as in the case of a graphic novel, they can tell a single story. So how are people going to submit to this? What, what exactly are they submitting? Well, the way comic books are usually written is that a writer will create a script that an artist will then illustrate based on the descriptions in that script. And then an inker will ink what that artist has drawn, and then a colorist will come in and add color and definition, and a letterer will letter all the dialogue, etc., until they have a finished comics work. Occasionally, editors come into play there, but not always. Sometimes all those people are just one person doing all the work. Most times, though, you have different people tackling each of those artistic chores. Now, what we're looking for in terms of the contest is simply a comic book script itself for a work that has not yet been published. This can be a single issue of an all-original comic book, or it could be a sample from a larger original graphic novel work. So if you think about it in terms of TV, we're talking one episode of Breaking Bad as opposed to the entire season of Breaking Bad or the entire seven seasons of Breaking Bad, which would represent the graphic novel. Regardless, just like with stage plays, this category is limited to 30 pages of script. That'll give you 30 pages of a sample script, which should give the writers plenty of space in terms of how many pages they would need for a single issue. If the entry that they're submitting is actually longer than 30 pages, then they need to include just the 30-page sample plus a one-page synopsis of the entire story. So what if they've already written the script and they already have an artist who's gone and illustrated it? What if they've done every single part of the comic book creation process except the publication? Well, that's great. If you have an artist and have produced a comic book-style work that has not been published, then we would certainly be welcoming those as a submission. Just keep it under 30 pages. However, when we say that it hasn't been published yet, we also mean it cannot have been published online. So as much as I love webcomics, you can't include them. Mainly, we're looking for a graphic narrative script. Now, from what I understand, there's no single format that a comic book script has to take, right? Exactly. And it gets kind of confusing in that regard. See, unlike film scripts where you pretty much have one way of doing things and most people stick to the final draft format, comic book scripts can take a variety of forms depending on the relationship between the writer and the artist. Some writers describe each and every comic book page and tell the artist exactly what is in each panel on that page, exactly how many panels there are down to the tiniest detail. And that's all in addition to the dialogue. Other writers allow the artist a good bit more leeway how to lay out the imagery. Sometimes they just provide the dialogue. Lots of different ways to skin this cat. So in order to help the would-be comic writer submit to this contest, we're providing some script examples which are available on the West Virginia Writers website, and those will show how some different writers have tackled the script format in the past. And I understand those were provided by longtime West Virginia Writers friend and former guest of this podcast, writer-director Danny Boyd. Yes, they were. He was quite generous in providing those. The final category of the adult contest is also a returning category, but it's special because it's a collaboration with the Pearl S. Buck Birthplace Foundation, which is based in Hillsborough. The Pearl S. Buck Birthplace preserves the birthplace home of the author Pearl S. Buck there in Hillsborough, 
and allows people to come in and, and see an interpretation of her life from its humble origins there to her international recognition as a Nobel Prize winning author. Now, Pearl S. Buck was known for writing that was designed with the hope of bringing about social change. Often she did this by just exposing people to places and concepts they would otherwise have no way of knowing about, but which she lived through, such as the country of China, where she spent many, many years of her life. Two years ago, the Pearl S. Buck Birthplace Foundation approached us about sponsoring a category for the contest that is open to writers who were following in Pearl S. Buck footsteps. So this category is open to writers trying to bring about social change with their work. So the Pearl S. Buck Writing for Social Change Award can be nonfiction or poetry up to 5,000 words on a topic related to social change. Let's talk about the fee structure for this contest. Certainly. As per the past several years, we're charging $10 per entry, except for book-length prose, which is $12 per entry. And all the entry fees for this contest go to help support the contest itself as far as the prize money and fees to the judges who will be judging each category. And how long will contest entries be accepted? Glad you asked that. The contest actually accepts entries January 2nd through March 15th. After March 15th, or actually from March 16th through March 31st, we continue to take entries, but each of them has to have a $2 per manuscript late fee. So if you're submitting more than one script, those late fees add up pretty quick, so we encourage people to submit early. Now, Eric, I understand there are some rules changes to the contest this year. Well, I don't know if I'd call them rules changes. They're actually more like clarifications of the rules we already have. See, over the past few years, we've been getting a number of questions regarding things such as submitting books to the contest that are self-published or which have been published as e-books or otherwise made available online. And we've had entries submitted to the contest that were adaptations of the work of other writers, which we didn't have any rules covering previously. So I guess in order to uh, flesh this out a bit, I can read from the entry form the current eligibility requirements for our 2014 contest, and then you can jump in and clarify the changes or clarifications, as you say, from previous years. That sound good? Yeah, sure thing. All right, eligibility. The contest is open to West Virginia residents and current members of West Virginia Writers Incorporated. Which, of course, means that people who are not residents of West Virginia can also enter as long as they're members of West Virginia Writers. Exactly. Now, entries must be the original work of the entrant and must comply with the category descriptions, limitations, and procedures. Adaptation of the work of another writer is not eligible. That's right. That's one of the clarifications. Now, the reason we're not allowing adaptations anymore is that while we fully respect the skill it takes to adapt one work from one medium to another, we as an organization are primarily interested in promoting original work by writers who wish to enter our contest, not in their ability to adapt the writing of others. So we are not allowing any more adaptations. Next up, it says, works that have won a cash prize in any past West Virginia Writers' Competition are not eligible. Published works or those accepted for publication prior to January 1st, 2014, are also not eligible. A work will be considered published if it has been printed in a publication with a distribution of 1,000 or more. If it has been published on a web page that has received or could receive 1,000 or more viewers annually, or if it has been independently published via a print-on-demand or ebook service. And here's another clarification. The reason our board has chosen to disallow self-published work 
ebooks or any other online publication is simply due to the fact that we don't allow any previously published works to be submitted, whether they're on paper or on screen or otherwise. Self-published is still published. Ebook publication is still a publication. Now, a lot of folks might say, yeah, but my ebook or my self-published novel hasn't sold a thousand copies, so it should still be eligible, right? The trouble with this is, though, that we at West Virginia Writers have no way at all of verifying how many copies have been purchased or how many people have viewed it. Your book might have sold 900 copies or it might have sold nine. We just don't have the ability to tell. But if it's available for sale on Amazon or Kindle, then it has the potential to have an international audience and to have sold over 1,000 or have that number of people view it. So we simply have to disallow any form of prior publication. Now, one of the caveats I see here is that according to the rules, if less than 25% of the entry has been published, it will be considered unpublished. And that would be kind of a rare occurrence. We have that rule there to kind of cover things like if somebody wrote a news article that they later expanded into a full book or maybe a short story that was expanded into a novel. And the final eligibility requirement here is there is no eligibility age limit. Right. So that means that a fifth grader could potentially enter something into the adult contest if they chose. Now, they'd be competing with adult writers for the most part, so we don't necessarily advise that. But there have definitely been some kids who could compete with adults over the past few years. Alrighty, so let's switch our focus to the New Mountain Voices Student Contest. What is the New Mountain Voices Student Contest? This is our annual writing contest for students in grades 1 through 12. How does it differ from the adult writing contest? Several ways. Uh, For one thing, it's free to enter. For another thing, the contest is structured a little bit differently. Instead of choosing from a list of styles of writing, such as prose, poetry, or stage play, students can choose from a list of six topics and write on one of those topics. They can choose fiction or nonfiction, prose or poetry, essay, short story, whatever they'd like, really. And they can pick from any of those six topics available, or they can make up their own. So what are the topics you provide? Topic number one is, the weekend I was a blank star. Now, in this, the writer basically has to fill in the blank and write about it. Maybe that blank gets filled in with rock star, rap star, country western star, movie star, or maybe they go literal with it and choose something like binary star. We ask them to explain how their star-making weekend happened and what the downsides to it were. Topic number two is called The Mothman's Brother, in honor of the famous Mothman of the Point Pleasant area. Now, I have to admit that this was a suggestion I made and was inspired by the song The Wolfman's Brother by the band Fish, but writers of this category have to write about The Mothman's Brother. Now, we all know The Mothman is a terrifying creature who tends to foretell certain doom for those who see him, but what about his brother? Oh, that sounds fun. If, if I could enter this contest, that would be the one I chose. Hell, I might write it anyway. Me too. Topic number three is words I'll never forget. This is basically what are the most important words you've ever heard in your life? Who said them, and why do they mean so much to you? Plenty of storytelling possibilities right there. Topic number four is called the perfect sibling. You know, most of us have very flawed siblings, but if you happen to have one that was perfect, how exactly would that manifest? And topic number five is called Wishes Gone Bad. In this, we suppose that a genie has granted the writer three wishes. 
They use those wishes, and by the end of the day, nobody is speaking to them. So we ask what happened with those wishes that made everyone mad, and how can they get out of the situation? And the final topic we have is called I'm Proud of Blank Because. And once again, you have to fill in the blank of what you are most proud of in your life. This could be a person. This could be an accomplishment. What do you fill it in with? That's what we're asking. So what are the age groups for the New Mountain Voices contest? Well, as I said, it's grades 1 through 12, but it's broken up into grades 1 through 5, grades 6 through 8, and grades 9 through 12. In each of those three subsets, we'll have first, second, and third place prizes. And again, any student in any of those age groups can pick from one of the topics we've provided, or they're allowed to just make up their own story, essay, or poem on any other topic of their choosing. Our judges for the New Mountain Voices contest are basically going to judge the best written of all the entries received, and we provide the topics to help give them some direction, but students are free completely to write something outside of those topics, so we say go for it. Now, I know we have certain eligibility requirements for the adult contest, so who is eligible to enter the New Mountain Voices contest? That's pretty easy. It's basically any student in grades 1 through 12 who is a resident of West Virginia. They don't have to be a member of West Virginia Writers by any means, though if they'd like to join, it's fairly cheap to do so. But they do have to be an actual resident of the state. Can entire classes enter? Certainly. We encourage teachers to pass out entry forms to their classes, and they're welcome to collect those entries and send them all in at once. Saves everybody on postage and saves us a lot of time on our end, too. Entire schools can also enter. We've had more than one school last year send their entries in. And students can also enter in more than one category from those topics that we have provided. Now, that does bring up the only major rules change for the New Mountain Voices contest that we have is basically that each student is now limited to three entries total. Last year, we didn't have any kind of limitation on the number of entries that a student could send in, and we had some very prolific writers, a few of whom sent in more than 10 entries each. So once again, in order not to abuse our judges, we're going to limit it to three entries per student. And lastly, if people have questions about the adult contest or the new Mountain Voices contest, where do they send those questions? That is a great question itself. They're welcome to email me at wvwcontest at gmail.com. That's kind of an easier address to spell than my own email address that has my own unpronounceable and more to the point unspellable last name in it. We ask people to check out our frequently asked questions list as well before sending in any inquiries because oftentimes the answers are already covered in that list. But if a question isn't answered there, feel free to send it on in. All right, now before I let you go, maybe you can speak to some of the common pitfalls of the contest and some of the rules that we have in place that people do need to pay attention to. Sure thing, and paying attention is something that we encourage greatly as far as this contest goes. A lot of the things that mess people up year after year are basically just down to not paying attention to detail. For instance, we want all the entries in both of our contests to be judged blindly, which means that the judge never has any idea of the identity of the author of a given entry. Now, one way to prevent this is to not put your name on it. As according to the rules, writers are not allowed to put their name anywhere on their entries. Your name goes on your contest entry form, which is paper clipped to your entries, or is just otherwise in the same envelope with them. Your entries come in, I assign each entry a number, 
I keep a record in my computer of which author goes with which entry numbers. So it's all taken care of on my end. The judges should never, ever see your name. However, I can speak to the fact, as contest coordinator last year, that we had well over a dozen entries submitted in which the author's name appeared proudly on the front page. In fact, at the awards banquet last year, I had intended to tell everyone, everybody, go home tomorrow, open up your files for the pieces you submitted, and if you see your name staring back at you, you're welcome, because I fixed that error for you. You fixed it? Yes. See, I have no desire to disqualify anybody from the contest for a simple mistake like that. So instead of contacting each of the writers and making them resubmit their work, which is going to cost everybody a bunch of money in postage and take a lot of time, I just took some 5mm correction tape and masked out their names. Then I photocopied that front page and replaced the original one with it. No judge saw any names on the entries. Nobody got disqualified, though it did add a couple of extra steps for me when processing the entries. In other words, writers should know that if they make a mistake like that, you're going to have their back, but to try to not make any mistakes like that. Right. Other common mistakes I've seen are forgetting to put the word count of an entry on the front page or forgetting to include the category it's being submitted to on the front page. And believe it or not, we had a number of people who submitted poems to our short poetry category last year that were longer than 21 lines which the rules say anything above 21 lines falls into long poetry. So, in other words, the poets need to remember that the rules of the contest count actual lines on the page and not sentences as lines. Right. These are all the kind of errors that I catch whenever entries come in, and I always make every effort to communicate with the writer in order to fix those issues and get their entries submitted to the proper categories. But fixing these errors does tend to take a lot of time. And when you're processing hundreds of entries, any extra time you have to spend to do all this adds up pretty quickly. It also especially takes a lot of time to fix the errors when a writer does not include the proper contact information, such as an email address or a phone number. So please, when you're entering this contest, an email address is the absolute best way I have of getting a hold of you. Phone number is great, but you never can tell what time of day or night I may be processing entries and need to ask a question. So an email address is the absolute best thing to include. And speaking of including email addresses, we also had people include email addresses that bounced when I tried to write to them, and I was typing them in exactly as they were written on the contest entry form. But you're not bitter about this or anything. No, not at all. Will winners be notified in advance of the awards banquet so they'll know whether or not to come? Well, yes and no. New Mountain Voices student contest winners are notified in advance in case they'd like to come and be acknowledged at the banquet and maybe hang out and experience some of the conference. But the first chance for adult winners to learn of their win is at the contest awards banquet itself. And I'm almost afraid to ask this because I know it was kind of a touchy topic last year, but can writers contact the judges in any way? No, they may not. Once again, this is one of the most serious rules that we have. Contacting a judge regarding a contest entry, or even after the contest is over, is one of the very few things that will immediately disqualify a writer from the contest. And we actually did have a case last year where a writer contacted me via phone about a screenplay they were hoping to submit, 
and they casually happened to mention that they had already contacted the judge for the screenplay category to see if that judge could recommend an agent to represent this writer should the script happen to win. I then had to inform this writer over the phone that the script was now disqualified from entry, as were they. So we're very serious when we say it. Do not contact the judges in any way. Their jobs are hard enough as it is. Well, Eric, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I'm sure we'll be talking to you about this contest in the weeks to come between now and the end of March. Maybe we could do this in person next time instead of just over the phone. Hey, you know where I live. I'll bring the beer. No, no, I'll bring the beer. You have crappy taste in beer. Touche, sir. Touche. Eric Fritchus can be found online at MrHerman.com. His play Fargo 3D can be seen at the New Voices Festival of Plays that will run February 6th, 7th, and 8th at the Greenbrier Valley Theater in downtown Lewisburg. He will also be acting in that festival in the play Drive-In by Connie Schindewolf and will be directing the play Fish Sticks by Brett Hersey. You can find entry forms and the graphic narrative sample scripts as well as the Frequently Asked Questions list for both of West Virginia Writers' Contests at wvwriters.org slash contest.html. While West Virginia Writers distributes contest entry forms throughout our state via our newsletter, you could help us out quite a bit by printing off a few yourself and leaving them in conspicuous places around the town in which you live. Libraries are often great places to leave a stack, as are bookstores and coffee shops. Even better still would be area schools, particularly if you are a teacher with students. Each year we send out forms to every school in the state, but we often receive reports from teachers that they never saw them. So, if you are a teacher or if you know a teacher, please share the New Mountain Voices student contest form with them, and be sure to point out that it is free to enter. Our opening voiceover was provided by Marcus Fowle. Our show's theme music is used with permission by its composer, Pops Walker, whose albums can be found at cdbaby.com. This podcast is a production of Mr. Herman's Production Company Limited and was recorded atop a hill in Greenbrier County. <laughs>